2: All of a sudden, there was this unwanted and negative attention on my hair, and I could do nothing about it. You know, it's not like I could hide it or cover it. Like, this is my hair. Everyone's looking. Everyone's, you know, not—it's no longer a good thing right now. And so having to walk down in front of my whole class like that, I remember, was like the first feeling where I was just, like, sunken and, and unhappy about my own hair. I'm Lady Life like a lady like a lady like a lady
3: like a lady like a lady like a lady
2: like a
4: lady like, a lady, like, a lady, like. I have hey y'all and welcome to unladylike i'm caroline i'm
1: Kristen. in 2017 deanna cook and her twin sister maya were banned from high school extracurriculars like sports and their junior prom all because they wore their hair in box braids true story
4: But one of the most remarkable things about what happened to Maya and Deanna is just how common it is. In 2010, a black third grader in Seattle was sent out of class because her teacher claimed her hair product was making them sick.
1: In 2013, a black second grader in Tulsa, Oklahoma, got sent home because she refused to cut off her dreadlocks.
4: In 2018, a Black fifth grader in Louisiana was sent home on her first day of school for wearing braided extensions, just like Maya and Deanna Cook had
2: gotten punished for the year before. Sometimes people underestimate the power it is to not be discriminated because of your hair. Like, you know, I feel like sometimes people think, oh, it's just hair, but it's like it's really not. It really is a part of people's identities. And it is so important in schools and workplaces for, honestly, everyone.
0: We're talking
1: with Maya and Deanna today about how they led the fight against hair discrimination at their high school. Because here's the thing. Black hair discrimination is real,
4: prevalent, and
1: usually legal.
4: That's why activists and legislators around the country are trying to pass the Crown Act. The law would make it illegal to discriminate based on traditionally black hairstyles like braids, twists, and locks in both the workplace and in public schools. Here's Massachusetts Representative Ayanna Presley talking about a federal crown act on the
2: House floor. Many, especially black women, grow up hearing that our natural coils and kinks are distracting, ghetto, ugly and unprofessional. From as early as grade school, black girls are pushed out of school for wearing their hair naturally. And as we grow up, we are taught to straighten our hair if we want to get a job or simply to live our lives in peace.
1: A federal Crown Act was first introduced in Congress in 2019 and has passed in the House of Representatives, but it has yet to become law. Fortunately, in the meantime, the Crown Act has been enacted in a number of states.
4: States like Colorado, where our third guest, Unladylike Listener Tara Nelson, is thrilled to live. We're going to talk to Tara about her natural hair journey and why it's been about so much more than just hair. But first, Back to the Cook Twins.
1: To start, could you each introduce yourselves and tell us
2: who you are and where you live? My name is Deanna Cook. Um, I live in Malden, Massachusetts, and I go to the University of Massachusetts Amherst.
5: Um, My name is Maya Cook. I live in Malden and I go to school at UMass Dartmouth.
2: Deanna and Maya
4: chemically straightened their hair for years, but their sophomore year at Mystic Valley High School in suburban Boston, their friends convinced them to switch things up. They
2: encouraged us to get braids for years, and we were just too nervous to do it. We weren't sure how it was going to look, and we had never done it before. But eventually, like, After talking with some of our friends, we are like, okay, we'll do it, you know, during April vacation. That way, if we don't like it, we can just take it out before we come back to school. So after that conversation is when we decided to just go for it.
4: Love a spring break makeover, Caroline. Oh, definitely. All right. So when the twins returned to school in their new braided extensions, it was a total hit. Their friends loved it, and they even got compliments from a few of their teachers. But then two
2: days later... I was sitting in my class, and my history teacher had called me up to her desk, and she was like, oh, Deanna, I noticed your hair is longer than before, and I was just like, okay. And she said, all right, well, I'm going to have to send you down to the nurse's office for a uniform infraction, because your hair's not allowed. And so that's kind of when everything started going negative. Yeah, um... Deanna had history class. And then after that,
5: um, we all went to like our lockers because it was a transition period in between classes and we had lockers next to each other. And she told me that she got a uniform infraction. And so I look her over and I'm like, what would she get an infraction for? Like, she looks a dress code to me and she tells me it was for her hair. And I was like, for your hair? And that it was the our history teacher. And I had history with the same teacher right after so i was nervous i was going to get in trouble for my hair too and when i got to that class before i could even like sit down and get settled the teacher called me to the desk and she already had the form filled out for me and told me i had to go to the nurse what yeah
4: so
2: how did that feel i was very embarrassed She did this in front of the whole class. You know, it was silent because we were all doing homework. So, of course, everybody heard as I was just, like, humiliated. I had to go down. Everybody knew why. And all of a sudden, there was this unwanted and negative attention on my hair, and I could do nothing about it.
4: The high school's dress code banned, quote, drastic or unnatural hair colors or styles that could be distracting to other students as well as, quote, hair more than two inches in thickness or height and hair extensions. Caroline, I'd call that policy distractingly racist. (laughs) Yeah, but Maya and Deanna said the hair policy was more of an unspoken rule. Like, they knew plenty of other Black students who'd worn extensions and never gotten in trouble for it. The twins told
1: their parents what happened, and they weren't too concerned— Surely, this was a misunderstanding that the girls and their parents could just clear up with the school administration.
2: Which we thought was just going to be a simple, quick meeting like, hey, you know, you really shouldn't even have this rule in the first place. You know, let's just discuss removing it so we can just move on. And, of course, that didn't happen. What did happen was jaw-dropping. The school decided to continue to fight us and be like, no, no, you guys aren't the only ones that we're targeting. Like, and if you're not, then we're going to go after other students. So then they started calling down all the black girls in the high school at the time, going, calling them down to the nurse's office one by one and asking them if their hair was real or not.
5: Whether they had braids or not.
2: Yeah, whether they had braids or not. You know, some people had like locks in or um, different types of braids and you know, or none at all. And they still called them down.
1: So, basically, they were calling them down to essentially, like, check their hair? Yeah.
2: yeah. Like, inspect it. At first, people had thought that we uh, were telling them to do that, which we did not. <laughs> yeah. They asked us to. That if you guys want to do that, that's
5: all you. I'm not giving you names.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We they definitely asked us to like, oh, well, who else has hair like that? We're like, that's not our job. We're not going to sit there and tell you to go and call out everybody's hair. But of course, then they did anyway. And uh, that's also how they kind of proved their point of discrimination is by only calling down the black students and the black girls' hair. And those were the only people they questioned. We just kind of said, look, you're making this worse. And they, they, they did not care.
4: Did any other students get in trouble in the way that you did um, when they were called down? So
5: other students didn't really get in trouble the way that we did because the school, like, when they asked them, like, oh, do you have extensions or not, you know, they lied because they knew that they would get the punishments that we were getting. And they knew that the um, administration couldn't even tell extensions from no extensions. They just were trying to push a rule onto people. So... No, no one else really got in trouble the way that we did, except for one of our friends named Lauren. She got in trouble, um, and they said if she cut her hair that they would leave her alone. So she just put it in a bun and told her that uh, she cut it.
4: Oh, my God. Okay, now, uh,
0: <laughs>
4: was the, the history teacher and then all of the administrators who were doling out all of these, like, interrogations, were all of these people white? yes. So
1: um, we read that the school claimed that your hair extensions were a quote-unquote distraction because they highlighted class and wealth differences between students. Uh, What did y'all think about that argument?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that—I still don't know who decided to come up with that statement, but— Yeah, that statement really makes no sense. Yeah. See, our school, it's like we have uniforms, which is kind of the whole point is to avoid that, or at least that's what they say. Yeah. Um, Hair is not a class or wealth difference. Um, That was kind of their just excuse from uh, one of the meetings they had to try to shut us down and uh, shut uh, parents down to say that uh, we were trying to, I don't know, show off with our hair or be distracting in the class. I really don't know how that's doing that, but that was their uh, excuse. The excuse was bullshit. Braiding and hair extensions
4: cost about the same as other hairstyles. It's also on par with the price of chemical straightening treatments, which, by the way, were totally permitted under the school's dress code. I mean, it's like the school trying to ban the Rachel haircut
1: because they assume that it's more expensive than than a bob because of all of the layers
4: involved, like <laughs> Caroline, it is ridiculous, yeah, super ridiculous and super racist. My and Indiana kept holding their ground though, and the school kept turning up the heat
5: so each day that we wore our braids, we were given two hours of detention, and then if we didn't go to those detentions, we were given an additional two hours to that each day, so it accumulated to about 40 hours each. We didn't go to them because we didn't feel like we should be punished for wearing our hair in braids, Um, and then they also kicked me off the softball team, and they would not let me go to prom. That was another one of the punishments, and we couldn't go to any of our school clubs and no school
2: activities. Also during our when we had detentions instead of going we would held we held rallies during some of those hours of course not all of them because again that's just an insane amount of hours to go yeah. to. But uh, we chose to hold some protests during the, those detention times as well. At So every day to get our detentions, they decided to special deliver it to us during class. So just about our last period before the end of the day, the dean of students would come in with a special letter for Maya and I to each of our class and hand deliver an additional hour or two of detention. And so that's what we also had to deal with every
5: day. And she would have the the number of hours that we've accumulated so far written on the, the paper too. So we right. have to look at that each day.
2: Yeah. And again, another not private thing. This would be in front of whoever was in our class that day and whatever teacher or whatever yeah. was going on. I was also kicked off of the track team, which I had already made states for, and they did not care. What? They uh, and insta- again another time where they completely humiliated me. I was already in my track uniform about to go to our next track meet and they decided to block me off of the bus in front of my entire team and told me that I was not allowed on the bus and that I had to go back inside and change and go back to class. So that moment honestly stuck with me probably still to this day. I still like, it hurts so badly that I had to go through that and the pain still like every time it ruined track for me honestly because after that it was so hard for me to get back into it and not feel like it was going to be just taken away from me again at any second um that was probably one of the worst moments of my life and then on top of that we also couldn't do any other sports activities um attend any other events in school we basically could attend school and leave. We had to leave the premises where they said if we were on the premises after the bell rings, then they would suspend us as well. So they definitely doled out a big list of punishments that we accumulated, all for wearing our hair and braids.
1: Was there was there ever a point in all of this where you even considered like maybe we should take out the braids?
2: Not once. <laughs> No. I think for me, I just knew that this was more than them really wanting to keep an extension rule in their handbook. It's it's clearly derived from something bigger and more hateful. Yeah. And I was not going to let them get away with that and just continue to do that to other students. Like, to me, what... It, I just kept thinking about, like, the little girls that are in this school, like, like the kindergartners and the little kids who have braids in their hair right now and who are going to be, like, t- embarrassed and told and, and felt the way I feel. Like, I, I just couldn't imagine, like, those kids having to face any more trauma or embarrassment or hurt. So there was just no way we were going to just let them continue to enforce that.
1: We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Maya and Deanna team up with the ACLU to stop their school's hair discrimination. Don't go away.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too
1: seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to.
3: Download the new Bumble now.
5: I wish that the school understood the cultural meaning behind Braids, too. Because back when Black people were taken from Africa, they had their they had their braids back in their country but when they came here their braids were shaved off their head they weren't allowed to have their braids here and so it's kind of like history repeating itself where you know we go to school and we're told you can't have your braids here
1: we're back with sisters maya and deanna cook and maya is right it is history repeating itself What happened to them getting punished because their hair was allegedly too distracting echoes what Black women were dealing with more than 200 years ago.
4: Yeah, so if we go back to 1786, that's the year Louisiana enacted the so-called Tignon Laws. It was basically a dress code that only applied to Black and Creole women, enslaved or free. It banned them from exhibiting, quote, excessive attention to dress and required them to cover their hair with scarves, or tignons, whenever they went out in public.
1: All because the white governor was worried that black women and other women of color were too distracting
4: to white men. Great. Awesome. Well, in the spring of 2017, there was no way Maya and Deanna were going to concede to their school's obviously racist dress code. About a month into their standoff with the high school, a local news channel reached out. Another parent had tipped the station off about what was going on, and they wanted to hear the twin side.
2: And so that night is when we did the first uh, news interview. All new at six o'clock, students punished, told that they can't go to prom, and it's all because of their hair extensions. Their school's... And then after that, basically everybody in the school had seen it and heard about it, and... Uh, things slowly started to change to more positive than negative. And people were like, oh, wow, like, I can't believe you're speaking out about this. Like, we want to help and, like, say something. So uh, that's when we started doing protests outside of the school and we did the detention sit-ins and then more and more things we started to do to try to convince the school to change the rule and show that we're not the only ones who want this rule changed and that it would affect so many people in the school in a better way. Soon, the ACLU
4: caught wind of the story and reached out to Maya and Deanna's parents to help. In mid-May of 2017, the ACLU filed a complaint with the Massachusetts Department of Education saying that the high school's dress code policy discriminated against Black and biracial students. But the administration wouldn't budge.
5: The school just disagreed with what they said and said, no, it's not us unfairly discriminating everyone and that's that. We're not doing anything about it.
2: Yeah, the school pushed back uh as much as they possibly could. Um the ACLU definitely kept on their heels though, and we're very much uh not gonna let go either. Um definitely when they joined it helped us a lot. Um yeah. and gained more at least with more communication with the school because At the very beginning, they just ignored everything we said. And then eventually, you know, they could not ignore it. So that definitely really helped us a lot.
1: Less than a week after the ACLU filed their complaint, the Massachusetts Attorney General got involved. She issued a four-page letter agreeing that the dress code was discriminatory and unfairly enforced and said that if the school didn't get rid of the policy, it could be shut down.
4: So, left with basically no choice, the high school administrators suspended the hair policy for the final days of class. Maya and Deanna had won. Hmm. So,
1: (laughs) you get a dress code infraction, just just call up the attorney general.
2: That's that's all you need to do. (laughs) Literally.
4: (laughs) In August, when Mystic Valley sent out its student handbooks for the upcoming school year, the hair extension ban was gone.
2: I think my my anxiety really rose uh, basically throughout the entire year. I was like a shaking mess. I remember when they finally told us that they got rid of the hair policy and that it was over. I think I finally breathed for the Mm -hmm. first time that year like a full breath because that was such a stressing and uh, such a stressful time for me. And like it definitely uh, is a memorable thing that we went through.
1: Yeah, it's it just, it seems like the school, which claimed to, um, which justified its actions towards y'all as, like, claiming your hair was distracting. In the process of it, it sounds like the school just created a lot of distraction, to say the least, not only for <laughs> yeah. y'all,
2: but the entire, like, student body. Honestly, they really did. I mean, even... Though everyone was instructed not to talk about it, of course, people did, and we would have you know teachers and other staff members you know give us their opinion. you know sometimes we'd have teachers come up and be like, "Oh, you know, I'm not supposed to say anything, but I really support what you're doing, and I think you're really brave, and that's awesome and then we've had other, we would have other teachers who'd come up and be like, "Yeah, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but I think you should just stop or we'd have teachers that come and say, "Yeah, I mean, I understand why you don't want it, but the school's not going to listen. You should just drop it. You're not going to win. So again, it was just a whole whirlwind of on and off about the whole thing. What do you wish that
4: more people understood about braids and extensions?
5: I wish more people understood that braids and extensions is meant to protect our hair and um, Black people, hair people who color their hair, uh, usually it needs to be put in protective styles because it, it breaks easily and it's not for attention or anything. It's it's just meant to be beautiful and to protect our hair.
2: Yeah, I wish more people would understand also just like how much our hair goes through. Like it, we, we can't just wake up and just go out. That's it's, that's not it at all. Like that would be a distraction. And this isn't just some beauty trend style, which of course it is. It's beautiful. But it's also what we need to do to keep it growing and to keep it healthy. It's literally called a protective style because it protects the hair. So instead of just shutting it down and making it something that it's not, to actually just like take a second and learn about why we're doing it in the first place.
4: Maya and Deanna's activism didn't end with their school's racist hair policy. Since then, they have continued sharing their story as advocates for the Crown Act, which we mentioned at the top of the episode. So Maya and Deanna, very curious
1: for y'all's takes on the Crown Act. Like, what do y'all think about it and similar efforts to ban hair discrimination in schools and workplaces?
5: So I'm really happy that the Crown Act has been passed in multiple states. Like, it's really incredible. And I was just like, I couldn't even believe that this had to be uh, an act in the first place. But I'm glad that, you know, the wheels are kind of turning for it to be um, everywhere.
2: Yeah, same. Me and Maya um, were able to help Promote the Crown Act and get people to sign and to just learn about it in general, which we're super excited to do. Um, Definitely, we we are hoping that more and more states in progress join in with the Crown Act because it really is so important. So we're very, very excited about it.
4: Yeah, I mean, having a Crown Act in Massachusetts could have prevented
2: what y'all went through. Oh, Yeah. yeah. If the Crown Act was actually uh, implemented during that time, the school would not have been able to get away with what they did. And that's kind of the whole point, is that we don't want any other school to be able to get away with doing that to any other students anymore. Yeah,
5: we don't want anyone else to have to go through what we went through.
1: We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Unladylike listener Tara Nelson shares her natural hair story with us and why she's also very excited for the Crown Act. Stick around.
4: We're back. So, earlier in the episode, we mentioned that hair discrimination is often legal. It's mind-boggling, and to understand how the hell it's even possible, we've got to rewind to the 1981 federal court case Rogers v. American Airlines. The Rogers in that case is Renee Rogers, who was fired from American Airlines for wearing cornrows to work.
1: Now, you would think that Rogers would have a winning argument because the court had previously ruled that firing someone for wearing an afro at work was racial discrimination and, therefore, illegal. But here's where a massive wrinkle called the Immutability Doctrine
4: comes in. The court decided that afros are, quote, the product of natural hair growth, making them an immutable or unchangeable racial characteristic but for Renee Rogers and her cornrows, the court said, well, that's just a hairstyle that has nothing to do with race. And brace yourself for their rationale. Yeah,
1: so it declared that cornrows had actually been popularized by Bo Derek in the 1979 movie Ten. You've probably seen the famous scene of this, like, white lady running down a beach with her blonde hair and cornrows and beads. Like, that is Bo Derek in 10. And the court is like, hey, y'all, listen. This white lady made cornrows a thing. Therefore, cornrows are not an immutable racial characteristic. Sorry, not sorry. Renee Rogers, you lose. Cool.
4: Bo Derek, huh? Bo fucking Derek. The Bo Derek rule. Who knew? Well, that legal precedent has allowed companies and schools like Maya and Deanna's high school to get away with this kind of hair discrimination over and over and over again. So rather than waiting for a Supreme Court majority that understands the significance of Black hairstyles, the Crown Act is a way to close that racist legal loophole. When I first heard about the Crown Act, I was like, that's such a great idea, you know,
3: that they're is something out there to protect, you know, how people's hair grows naturally out of their head because, you know, why is that a problem?
4: That was Unladylike listener Tara Nelson. Tara emailed us a while back to tell us about transitioning from a lifetime of relaxing her hair to going natural. Now, she hasn't experienced the degree of hair discrimination that Maya and Deanna did, but she has had to face down internalized stigmas around her own hair. And we'll get to that in a second. But first, Tara lives in Colorado,
1: and the state enacted the Crown Act in 2020. And Tara welcomed it, especially considering the hair discrimination she's witnessed on the job. I work in the legal field. I started out working in the
3: public sector. Um, I always heard commentary around me about, you know, when a Black person would come in with their hair in dreads or braids or, you know, or if, if they came in with super long hair, you know, there were comments like, oh, you know, they, they look so
1: dirty, or do you think that's really her hair? The comments really bothered Tara. But as a young professional, she was too nervous to speak up.
4: Plus, she was worried her white colleagues would be like, why do you care? You straighten your hair. So Tara began straightening her hair when she was
1: five, or rather, Mrs. Kelly, who owned the neighborhood hair salon, did. At that time, pressed and curled hair was an essential part of the quote-unquote respectable black dress code. But Tara's mom was less concerned with looks than how difficult Tara's hair was to wrangle.
4: Yeah, little Tara was definitely tender-headed, and she would cry whenever her mom attempted to tame her hair at home. But getting her hair done at Mrs. Kelly's salon? Tara loved it. I was such a girly girl. Like, I would just, I'd get down off the seat after
3: she'd do my hair, and I could actually, you know, like, run my fingers through it. And I thought that that was so cool. And, you know, and this is, like, early 80s, and so, you know, I would see, like, Farrah Fawcett on TV or... And I'd see her shake her hair, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then I was doing that as I walked over to my mom and my grandmother. Like, I was shaking my hair, you know, thinking that I'm, like, running around, you know, with the wind blowing through it or something. Achieving that Farrah Fawcett hair could be painful, though. It didn't matter how many precautions my stylist took. And no matter how hard they tried, I always burned and I was always in communication, like, oh, it's starting to itch here or it's starting to get tingly over, you know, over on this section or this part's kind of bothering me here. And they're like, OK, you know, and they would keep an eye on it and we would keep talking and keep up communication. But I just always burned. And so that just became a thing that I lived with.
4: The older Tara got, the more she recognized the everyday racism and white supremacy she lived with, too. Trayvon Martin's murder in 2012 was like a lightning bolt. She found herself thinking, Black people fight just to survive. They shouldn't also have to fight just to let their hair grow naturally. And that also got Tara
1: thinking more deeply about her own hair. Why did she relax it? Who said she had to look a certain way? And I really started
3: kind of, I guess, examining, like, is my you know, inability to, you know, call myself beautiful or this desire to have the straightest hair or the smallest body because of this kind of idea that has been put out there um, that the only way I'm going to fit in to the society around me is to be as close to white as possible, although I will never you know, I will never be white. And for some people, I'm always going to be, you know, less than, and that's not a way to live your life. You know, it's taken me years to kind of get to that, um, where I feel like I, I can't keep trying to be an invisible person because I have a right to,
4: I have a right to be here. Tara started to dream about curly hair. She'd see a woman walking down the street or an actress on TV with amazing curls, and she was like, I want that. So Tara consulted with her hairstylist about it. And she was like, well, Tara, that's how it grows out of their head. Like, if
3: you want hair like that, you have to stop relaxing your hair and let it just grow out of your head the way that it... And, um, and I was like, right, duh, you know. <laughs> And of course, you know, the whole point of these relaxers is to kind of destroy the curl, you know, to get rid of the curl. And and she said, is that something you want to do? And I think for two or three years, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. And she's like, well, you know, let me know. If you want to do that,
1: let me know. Then one day when Tara was 39, she'd had enough. Getting her hair done was expensive, time-consuming, and something had to give— She was working full-time, and she had a two-year-old son who wasn't sleeping through the night. She thought going natural might free up some time in her schedule, at the very least.
4: Tara started Googling around to understand how to transition her hair from relaxed to natural. She found a ton of blogs and websites by Black women who were sharing their hair journeys. Most bloggers mentioned two routes to natural
1: hair— The first option is to slowly transition, cutting off the relaxed ends every few months or so and letting the natural hair slowly grow in. The second option is to cut off all the relaxed hair in one go, which in the natural hair community is called the big chop. And so I decided
3: to go the transition route because I wasn't quite mentally there as far as just cutting off all my relaxed hair, you know, and ending up with a a TWA, a a teeny-weeny afro.
4: For a few years, Tara was slowly growing and cutting off her relaxed ends. But she wasn't really styling it. She was just pulling her shoulder-length hair back into a tight ponytail every day, which wasn't really how she imagined going natural. But there was at least one big perk to this approach. Add, I managed to add an hour and a half to my sleep because I was
3: getting wow. I nice. was getting up ridiculously early to make sure that I could do my hair and makeup every day. Um, so yeah, I got more sleep
1: <laughs> I am I am so impressed. Uh, I thought Thank maybe you. you would say like, oh, 15, 20 minutes. no, you're getting like almost like a full REM cycle <laughs> back in. That's amazing. Yeah. and I was like, you know what? Moisturizer
3: and chapstick are my friends, and <laughs> my hair will grow. How You know, it'll look however it looks.
4: In late 2018, Tara took the plunge and went all natural all at once. She got the big chop.
1: Well, what was it like to, to see yourself right after the big chop for the first time? It was kind of surprising.
3: I mean, like, when, when she turned me around just show me how I looked in the mirror. I got a little teary eyed. She's like, you know, it'll grow back. And I'm like, no, I, <laughs> I, I I'm not getting teary eyed. Cause I'm like, oh my God, what'd I do? I'm getting teary eyed because like, I have always wanted to rock short hair, but always kind of thought, I don't think I could pull that off. And I think it was just for me, a bit of kind of negative self-talk, unfortunately, where I was like, I don't think I'm cool enough to pull that off. Or I don't think I'm this, you know, blank enough to be able to pull that off. And so when she turned me around and I was like, oh my gosh, like I look kind of pretty. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and she was like, well, you look so cute. Like, I don't know why you didn't think you would. And I was like, I don't know. Uh, Cause Because I'm me, I guess. I don't know. But I, um, thank you so much, you know. And so I was, and every time I looked in the mirror, I just was super excited that I had, you know, this cute little short hair. And it it was just super exciting.
4: Tara was excited not only to see herself with her new TWA, her teeny-weeny afro, but also to find out more about how her hair likes to grow out of her head. She's learned that her curls are type 4B and 4C, so tightly coiled and dense, and that her hair is low porosity. That means that it has a harder time holding onto moisture, oils, and dyes. So now, for the first time in her life, Tara knows exactly how to care for her hair and in the way that she wants. You know,
1: earlier we were, (laughs) I was amazed with the
4: the (laughs) 90 minutes of sleep,
1: extra sleep, Um, (laughs) but it also sounds like, all of that too was a facet of not just a quest for more sleep but a much really like broader kind of evolution that you were on in terms of how you saw yourself and also the world around you or am i am i making that connection like correctly or yeah i mean
3: i think you are you know it wasn't just you know yeah i got extra sleep but i also started really feeling a lot more comfortable with who I am, you know, who I was, who I am, I guess like some of the negative voices, they, they went away. You know, I came into my blackness, I feel, you know, because I let my hair go natural and it is, you know, it is just growing and it is thriving. And you know, and I just walk out the door with my hair, how, you know, if it's going in the same direction, that's great. If it, (laughs) if half of it is standing up, well, it's just going to have to stand up because I'm not going to fiddle with it because it'll get tangled. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think it's just been, it's been a journey that has gone beyond my hair.
0: To
1: learn more about The Crown Act, head over to thecrownact.com, where you can find events and resources for your state. And get pumped, y'all, because this episode is actually the first in a three-part series we're dedicating all to head hair.
4: Y'all can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at unladylike media. And you can also support Kristen and me directly by joining our Patreon. You'll not only get Our Undying Love, you'll also get weekly ad-free extra Unladylike bonus episodes, including our latest about a controversy brewing around the mega-viral short story, Cat Person. Join the party at patreon.com slash unladylike media.
1: Nora Ritchie is the senior producer of Unladylike. Michelle O'Brien is our associate producer. Gianna Palmer is our story editor. Shruti Marathi transcribes our tape. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Mixing is by Andy Christens. Sound design and additional music is by Casey Holford and Andy Christens. Executive producers are Peter Clowney, Daisy Rosario, and Unladylike Media.
4: This podcast was created by your hosts, Caroline Irvin. And Kristen Conger of Unladylike Media. Next week... In the beginning, it was like, I didn't really
1: know what was happening. You know, it was so gradual for me. And then once it was, you know, real gray, resistant gray, large portion of the percentage of my hair, I felt like I was losing my youth and like I was losing, you know, any sense of possibility of beauty. That's where like the shame came in. And I just felt Like, wow, I I feel really old all of a sudden. It's part two in our head hair series, and it's all about color. We'll be talking with writer Jessica Berger-Gross, who embraces her greys, and Jameson Hampton, who connects the dots between their bold hair colors and queerness.
4: Y'all do not want to miss this series. Make sure you are subscribed to Unladylike. You can find us in Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. And remember, got a problem? Get unladylike. It's like a loaded baked potato. A racist loaded baked potato. A baked potato loaded with racism. (laughs) Now I want a starchy lunch. Now I'm thinking about a baked potato. I'm hungry. I know, same.
2: (laughs) Stitcher.